0: the Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if your roommate isn't the brightest pool float in the flooded basement, visit Geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on Renters Insurance. Hey
2: everyone, this is Dave Cabin and you're listening to the World of this Highlight Reel brought to you by Draft. On the highlight reel, we feature the top articles on rotoviz.com and get an extended insight into the writer's process and findings. For those of you who don't know, Rotoviz is a sports data and analytics site that publishes over 1,000 articles per year and has a suite of more than 20 proprietary apps. Go to rotoviz.com to check out the site. Today... We'll be looking at the ultimate zero running back watch list as well as bold predictions uh and I'm really excited to be joined by my first returning guest to the show, Court Smith, who, as I'm sure you know, is not only a major contributor to the site but he's also one of our editors. Welcome to the show Court. how's it going? I'm good dave. How are you i'm doing I'm doing good uh we have the first week for some people of the playoffs starting uh, in about a half hour from now, so it's yeah. an exciting time.
3: Yeah, and there's certainly some uh, some big guys going in this uh, game. I know we were talking some sit-starts in the Slack channel, and Trevor Simeon is a name that came up a few times. Uh, you know, a lot of us are QB streamers, so we're facing Simeon versus Gabbert-type uh, decisions this week, so... Uh, of course, Demarius Thomas uh, should be looking okay against uh, a pretty shaky Colt secondary. And I know uh, Emmanuel Sanders was another pretty big road of his guy this year, and he's been brutal lately. So a lot of people wondering if uh, if he's worth throwing in the lineup tonight. So uh, I, I don't know. As a Broncos fan, I'm not too excited for this
2: game. But as a fantasy player, definitely lots of things to watch. Oh, wow. I did not know that you're a uh, Broncos fan. How did, yeah, it's, how been did... so it's been a long year. So long year. Just to <laughs> give the listeners a... Uh... As you can probably tell by the accent, I'm assuming, uh, Court is from Canada. <laughs> so how did you end up as a Broncos fan?
3: It's kind of a long story. I'll give you the, the short version, okay. but uh, basically, I grew up in uh, northern Alberta, and as you may or may not know, Pat Bullen, the owner of the uh, Broncos, is uh, a northern Alberta guy. He made his fortunes in the old oil fields in Alberta uh, back in the late 70s and 80s, so kind of a family connection there. My uh, my uncle, uh, Court, who is my namesake, uh, he had a bit of a working relationship with him. Uh, he did some accounting for him back in the 80s, so uh, it was just one of those things where growing up in my house, that was the team on the TV and the one that everyone was cheering for and uh you know i got to watch elway growing up so just kind of fell in love with uh, elway and the, the orange unis and stuff and and that was about <laughs> that was it i was kind of done for for life
2: oh uh, that's that, awesome so. well yeah during the day i am a, an accountant so maybe i can find my way into working <laughs> for a potential uh nfl owner that would be awesome
3: there you go. Yeah, yeah. You just <laughs> got to find the up and comer, the up and comer
2: for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it. Uh-huh. Yeah,
3: but it's been a long year to be a Broncos fan. I've uh, They had a decent start, and I was sort of thinking, okay, maybe they had something in Simeon. But, uh, I mean, you could make a case that the Broncos have the three worst quarterbacks in the NFL. It's been absolutely brutal. It's been – you really could. I mean, one guy after another, it's just been an absolute uh, abomination. And then the defense is mailing it in now. So it's been a rough year, and uh, I don't know what Vance Joseph is still doing there, but he's there. And, uh We'll see. Hopefully they get a high pick this year and can find their uh, quarterback for the future.
2: Yeah, that is something that they need to address. Uh, And for many of our fantasy teams out there, we've needed running backs. Uh, As everybody knows, we are a zero running back based site. I operate just about all of my teams um, outside maybe of some standard leagues with zero running back. And you've been uh, keeping apprised of all of the AFC backfields this season as well as making some bold predictions so you kind of just uh, clue us in on what you've been up to during the season um, and uh, you know kind of your process that you're taking each week
3: sure yeah those were the uh, my two in-season articles so uh, you know Sean uh, talking, talking with Sean Siegel uh, he's been doing the Zero RB for the last few years. Of course, uh, he's sort of the godfather of the Zero RB movement. And he's been doing that uh, article and uh, handed it off to myself and Blair Andrews this year. So obviously a big responsibility there. Uh, I know a lot of our readers are coming to us for that for that information. Um, so did that and the bull predictions uh You know, as far as the process goes, we've been publishing on Tuesday for Zero RB, uh, making sure we get it uh, out well ahead of time for the waivers and everything. Um, So my process, uh, I probably spend about 90% of my research uh, in the Rotoviz screener uh josh adhd of course uh has been doing an awesome job making sure all our data gets updated first thing monday morning for the sunday game so i've got uh you know fresh data to look at monday morning so that's what i'm doing monday morning i'm just uh kind of uh shoulders deep in in the screener um and the first thing i'm looking at is is expected points that's sort of become my go-to the first thing i'm sort of looking at and just looking at expected points for the week who is getting the most valuable workloads? Uh, how is it changing week to week? Uh, how is it changing relative to the other teammates in the backfield? Uh, so a lot of that, I'm just kind of starting with EP and then going from there, maybe looking at a few emiss- efficiency metrics. Um, and then just just looking at, at game flow and game situations and and week to week changes um, and and just looking for some useful information that we can use.
2: Yeah, and I think we should take a second to mention uh, you know, we have to we had him on, um Column had him on uh his epi one of his episodes. But uh as you mentioned, Josh ADHD has been doing a fantastic job yeah. with the apps, which are one of the things that uh, you know, make your subscription to the site so powerful. And I know the season's winding down, but listen, if you know, if you haven't subscribed yet, you can get you know, a daily pass, I think, or a weekly pass, even at this point, uh, you know, and, and get a sample to help you through those final weeks. Uh, so, you know, support the pod, go to uh, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast uh, and get a 30% discount and check out the screener, which, you know, I don't know if we can say enough about it, but the screener is such a powerful tool to yeah. look at every week to get ready for the season. It is just awesome. Um, so... You know, as you mentioned, you've been using it to keep track of all of these running backs. I'm just wondering how much of a challenge has it been to, you know, make sure that you're staying apprised of everything that's going on in these backfields across the entire AFC?
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean it's it's a real deep field and I think that's why we decided this year to to split up the column into AFC and NFC uh just because there's so much information there's so many players uh, all these situations are so fluid and constantly changing uh that I think we decided it was best to kind of split it up between two people so that we could really get in depth. So um I mean, it's been a challenge in that in it's very time consuming, uh, to kind of go through all these guys and make sure we're looking, you know, under every single stone that we can. Um, but, um, you know, it's been, it's been a fascinating process as well. Learning about, uh, you know, some of these guys, Austin Eckler is a guy I'd not heard heard of before the season. And he's, uh, come to be a little bit of a zero RB factor down the stretch, yep. um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's not too hard. It's not too challenging. I mean, I watch all the games. I'm keeping on top of these stuff on Sunday. So I sort of have a pretty good idea for, for what's going on. Um, but the hard part really comes down to looking for something in the data that, you know, isn't obvious. That's, that's the challenge. And trying to find maybe a trend in there um, that, that we can exploit a little bit that's, you know, looking beyond the narratives, looking beyond the storylines. I, I mentioned Austin Eckler before. And he sort of made some noise, what, about a month ago, maybe? He started yeah. taking a bunch of touches from Melvin Gordon. Yep. And everyone started getting really excited and, uh, you know, throwing them to the top of the waiver wires. But, uh, you know, l- looking at that, I mean, it wasn't – he was taking a few snaps from Melvin Gordon, but it was a situation where Melvin Gordon was still getting the vast majority of the workload. And we didn't really have any reason to believe that Austin Eckler was, was taking over based on expected points. So I was recommending to the readers to kind of hold pad on that and, you know, roster Eckler if you want to, but keep expectations low. So just stuff like that, trying trying to look through the noise a little bit and the narrative, that's the challenge, I think, because, you know, the zero RB people, we see a guy put up a few points and we automatically want to get excited. So the challenge for, for me has been to sort of separate uh, that noise uh, from, you know, w- what the actual expectation and what the probabilities are that that person is going to be really contributing down the line.
2: Yeah, that's interesting to hear you uh mention um, expected points again, because I think that's one of those things that uh, I should have been paying closer attention to each week, as it is a really good way to kind of gauge um, if there's guys out there that, you know, you might not have been recognizing that you should yeah. target. Uh, yeah. So obviously we are really winding down in many leagues. There's only two weeks left, but do you think that there are any uh, zero RB candidates out there to be had that, you know, you might be able to find on the wire?
3: I mean, honestly, I don't think there's any undiscovered gems that are, are really going to pop. I think there's definitely a bunch of guys that are on the fringe that, that could have some, some big weeks that might already be rostered. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about guys like Matt Forte, uh, Bilal Powell, uh, guys like that, even uh, Devontae Booker tonight. I mean, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see him put up a decent PPR game. Um, but those are big risks those aren't guys that I'm confidently plugging into my lineup in the right. semifinal weeks for sure um so I don't know that there's any real undiscovered gems left I think all the guys that uh really have a chance to have a big week at some point in the next few weeks are pretty much rostered to be honest with you but um yeah definitely some fringe guys you could maybe keep an eye on if you you know If you're behind in a matchup and you want to take a big risk on a, you know, a Matt Forte or someone like that, I think it's probably worthwhile. But uh, at this point in the season, I I don't know that there are any secrets, really.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's to be expected, which is that's one of those reasons that I do think if you're operating a zero running back team, like it's best to make sure that if you're in a league with blind bidding, you're using your dollars earlier on in the season. You can only hold on to them for so long. Yeah. Uh, now this is one of my favorite questions to ask guests that have come on later in the year, but what were some of your best and your worst <laughs> zero running back calls. I've been looking forward to asking you this one.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, uh, we'll start with the best ones. I mean, I think that, uh, Rex Burkhead is a guy who is of interest to a lot of our re- or a lot of our readers for a lot of reasons. Uh, we were pretty high on him coming into the season and, um, you know, he he started off okay, and then he got hurt. And, uh, you know, he was on the waiver in, in most of my leagues. And, you know, I was recommending to people to to keep rostering him because there was just so many good signs and and so many good things that can happen with him. So that was really encouraging to see him sort of break out the last few weeks. Uh, last week in particular was a little bit frustrating because he was <laughs> just tearing it up in the first half, and then he completely disappeared in the second half. And that was a bit of a head-scratcher. Um and then similar along those lines, like Marlon Mack was a guy who, you know, mid-season was a guy that uh, was sort of emerging, and everybody thought he was going to be a big zero RB target. But again, I, I sort of recommended to people to, to lay off a little bit on Marlon Mack. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I know one week we had uh, Marlon Mack at the top of the waiver wire over, you know, a guy like Burkhead. And and the thing was, was that – the the value of the new England backfield is such that even though it's a frustrating timeshare, it's so valuable. (laughs) It's so valuable compared to a team like the Colts who are trailing, who have, you know, they're not running a lot of plays. They're a low volume offense with a bad quarterback. And even if Marlon Mack were to take over and Frank Gore were to, were to, you know, get injured, you know, his his EP is his expected points are still not going to be as high as somebody like Rex Burkhead's, um, so that was that was cool to kind of see that come to fruition where Marlon Mack was sort of uh, you know faded back out to relevance and, and Rex Burkhead did well so I was happy with that. Um, as far as the worst calls. Preseason, I was really high on Spencer Ware and uh, CJ Anderson. Obviously, Ware, I mean, what can you do? The guy gets injured. Uh, you know, I don't think that's bad process, although I do think that given what we've seen from Kareem Hunt, it's possible that his role was not going to be as big as, as I believed it was going to be. Uh, CJ Anderson, though, for sure. Uh, huge disappointment pretty bad call um, I, I had really high expectations I was taking him a lot in the fifth and sixth round and even early in the season uh, I was recommending him as a guy that you should be targeting he, he was you know he's had good EP the Broncos were playing a lot better <laughs> they were they were you know, having decent game scripts decent quarterback play which you know makes a big difference yep. obviously. Um, so that was a big miss to see kind of Devonte Booker fade out Jamal, Jamal Charles too, with the Broncos, that was a bigger, a zero RB target. Uh, I wasn't as high on him as Sean Siegel was, which made, always makes me a little bit nervous when I'm <laughs> not as high on a guy as Sean Siegel is. Yep. Um, but that was a miss for us. There was a lot of opportunity there for Jamal Charles and he just never really came through. Um, and I should also mention not maybe for best or worst, but, most frustrating by far was Derrick Henry this year and just sort of seeing how the Titans were sticking to that timeshare no matter what, no matter with, you know, wh- whether DeMarco Murray was hurt or ineffective, whether they were leading, whether they were trailing. It was just sort of this infuriating 50-50 timeshare. And we saw some bursts from Derek Henry and I kept recommending, you know, to, to acquire him, spend your waiver bucks on him and uh he had a few flashes but really never came through and so that was probably the most uh you know it's a bit of a miss he had an okay season he's not winning you any leagues uh but that was definitely one of the more frustrating players to to kind of monitor throughout the season to see the kind of you know ep he had and and the potential he had and really a kind of all for not
2: absolutely well you know i remember too early on in the season there was some uh issues that murray was having with health and it looked like you know even though the organization had been resistant to really handing over the offense to henry you thought they might be forced into it so you know it looked like a great opportunity for him it just didn't well especially
3: uh, i mean it's not like we're yeah we're not it's not like we're talking about a fifth or sixth round guy here they they spent a high second rounder on him last year so they're heavily invested in him i mean if you're spending a, a second round pick on a running back why aren't you using him you know what I mean, and yeah. and I understand Demarco Murphy's a decent player, so it really was just a head scratcher. Yeah, I, I didn't get it at all. Beyond all, beyond, even if he was looking bad, just the fact that um, he kind of you know had that draft capital they had invested in him, it, I just thought that they would give him a chance. It just made a whole lot of sense, but uh, especially with the uh, the injury, the hamstring injury to Murray that was nagging all year, uh, I just uh, every week I was sort of waiting for the Henry breakout, and it never came.
2: Yeah, Well, one player that I love for this week who I mentioned today uh, is going to absolutely crush it is Le'Veon Bell. He crushed it last week. I am really confident in him this week. Uh, I'm going to be looking to get him in every snake draft that I do on draft for this week. Uh, so again, draft is one of our favorite apps here at the site. Uh, weekly DFS contests. No budget considerations. You just draft a snake lineup like you would, you know, uh, heading into the regular season. Um, draft starts just $1. Uh, they worked their way up. We've had a lot of fun, uh, using the app this year. Go to draft in your app store or go to playdraft.com. Uh, and if you sign up now, uh, you can still use the promo code RV radio to get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit. So head over there. Try to get Le'Veon Bell. I might even stack the entire uh, Pittsburgh offense this week. Uh, I'm going to be trying to get Roethlisberger in there, Schuster, Brown, Bell. And then I guess I might have to pivot off for my final roster spot. But anyways, go to PlayDraft, PlayDraft.com, and uh, get in on that action.
1: Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with my bookie. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited.
2: So as far as the bold predictions go, what do you think were some of the boldest predictions that were made all season? <laughs> uh,
3: well, I think by far the, the boldest prediction I made from a mathematical perspective <laughs> uh, was, uh, so I usually do about three bold predictions every week. And uh, one week I was feeling uh, particularly confident and, and I made a bonus Fourth prediction that I would go three for three that week. Um, now, now I'm hitting about eleven uh, percent on the year My goal is fifteen percent. Uh, so to go three for three, so I, I ran the numbers on that. So to hit, let's say we had a ten percent chance at each prediction. Uh, so to hit all three, there's a zero point one percent chance of that happening. So I like those about odds. a. Th- yeah, about a thousand to one only. So, <laughs> uh, so that was probably the worst prediction from a mathematical perspective. That said, uh, I did get two of three that week, and that was that was m- my best week by far. So, and I think mm-hmm. the third one was actually quite close. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So that was a bit of a heartbreaker. So, so mathematically, that was probably the boldest one uh, that we had uh, that we had all year for sure.
2: Nice. And were there any that? At the time when you made them, you thought they were just absolutely ridiculous, but they ended up coming true?
3: Well, you know, we had a couple guest spots this year. Uh, I always like to get a bit of a fresh perspective. So, uh, a few guest bold predictions. And uh, a, a real interesting one came on Thanksgiving Day. We had a couple guest contributors uh, Colm Kelly, your fellow uh, RV podcaster, and yep. Charlie Klein Hexel, my fellow editor. Uh, they made a couple wide receiver predictions, and it came down to. Predicting that the Thanksgiving Day record for receptions, who's, which is held by Brett Perryman with uh, 12 receptions. He's the father of uh, Brashad Perryman. Wow, well-known, fun fact. Uh, yeah, well-known Raymond's bus. He had 12 receptions uh, back in the late 80s, I believe it was. So Colm predicted that uh, Keenan Allen would uh, tie the record of 12. And Charlie predicted that uh, Jameson Crowder would uh, get there with 12. Uh, and uh, that seemed a little bit ridiculous. I mean, anytime you're talking about overall records, I mean, you know, it's a long shot, right? Those yep. those are blue blue moon kind of games. Uh, now that said, man, was it a fun sweat? Keenan Allen had 12 catches at halftime, and he was piling them up in the second, and he finished with 11, which was absolutely heartbreaking. That was, you know, it was sort of a moral victory, but uh, we don't count moral victories in bold predictions. You got to get there. And then James <laughs> Jameson Crowder, he um. He didn't – I think he only had seven or eight receptions, but he had a career game, and I think he was around 140-some uh, yards. Um So, you know, those guys nailed those ones, even though we didn't actually get there. But they both had sort of career-type of days um that seemed, you know, like pretty much a long shot going in. I mean, who's going to predict Jamison Crowder, of all people, is going to pile up 140 yards, right? So. Uh, so those were a couple cool ones that, uh, seemed like a long shot that, uh, came true. Another one, uh, was, uh, <laughs> I, I was on a bit of a roll with Marquise Lee. Marquise <laughs> Lee is my guy. I love Marquise Lee. Uh, so we had the previous week, I think I predicted that Marquise Lee was going to outscore AJ Green and he did that. And then the next week I was sort of, uh, you know, feeling my oats and I got cocky and I predicted that, uh, Marquise Lee would, outscore he was playing the chargers. Uh he would outscore all of the Chargers wide receivers combined. Oh my gosh. Which was a little bit crazy. And you know the funny thing about that prediction was originally I wrote it up and I had uh I had him outscoring just Keenan Allen and uh Tyrell Williams combined. It was I think the first or second game back for Mike Williams. But then I thought in my head, you know what would sound cool? if we did both Williams receivers instead. <laughs> so I did all three of them. If I would have just done the uh, the original prediction, I would have hit it. But because I threw in the second Williams receiver, uh, we just missed it. So that one was a bit ridiculous to have Marquise Lee outscore uh, not only Keenan Allen on his own, but uh, three receivers combined. And we almost did
2: it. Yeah, that's actually really impressive. <laughs> um, I have to say that, you know, that was uh, probably one of the funner things too. you know, as a reader, just to uh, check yeah. in on. And then, you know, here you talk about Marquise Lee. I think I used him probably like three or four weeks in the uh, Fantasy Labs contest that we do. And I was just nice. way off every single time. <laughs> so he's been kind of like a, an Achilles heel for me this season.
3: Yeah, no, and I've got him going again this week. I uh, was working on my column today, and uh, I'm going back to the Marquise Lee. Well, the Jaguars are playing the Texans this weekend, and I've got uh, Marquise Lee outscoring DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, wow. Uh, So that'll be interesting because, you know, I mean, that Jacksonville Jaguars pass defense is absolutely silly, uh, and then DeAndre Hopkins is absolutely silly. So that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch. Part of that is, uh, I'll I'll admit, it's a bit of a reverse jinx there because – uh, I've got, uh, Deandre Hopkins going in, uh, the semifinals of an apex league of mine, and I really need a big score from him. So it's one of those things where, uh, you know, I kind of, uh, hedge my bet a little bit because I'll, uh, predict that he's going to have a bad game. And if he does, then I win my prediction. And if he doesn't, then I should get a good game out of him for fantasy anyway.
2: Nice. So <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, any yeah. other, I want one more, uh, bold prediction that you can give us for the fantasy playoffs.
3: Yeah, let's go uh Aaron Rodgers. I think uh we had a pretty interesting uh discussion about him over some email earlier today yep. and people debating whether he's worth the start or not. Uh I'm going to predict I predicted my column coming out tomorrow that uh he's a back end QB2. So I'm saying uh QB 18 or worse uh this week and uh that comes down to partly matchup uh Carolina I believe is uh, sixth best uh, for fantasy points against QBs in the league. Uh Carolina is at home. So not a great matchup there, but uh really one of the rare times I'm going to go with a bit of a narrative here and um you know when Aaron Rodgers was out in week 6 they were talking out for the season. Uh never mind the regular season and all of a sudden he's back in week 15. So that seems very aggressive to me. And I have to think that the Packers are a little bit nervous about putting the franchise out there so soon. Um, and that combined with Jamal Williams really just being on fire, I really see the Packers uh, sort of you know running the heck out of Jamal Williams and trying to kind of negate any kind of pass rush to keep the the bodies off of Aaron Rodgers. Um, so that's sort of what I see happening in that game. So I think uh, the air, Aaron Rodgers return is going to be a bit of a dud, and I see him uh, finishing well uh, well off of a QB one type of finish.
2: Wow, this is a bold call because as you're saying that I'm getting ready to do something that we try not to do on the highlight reel, which is jump down the throat of the guest and start debating them. Um, I, you know, I, I I respect Court's opinion, but I got to say, if you're listening to this, this is lunacy. Make sure that he gets in your lineup this weekend. You're not sitting Aaron Rodgers. I don't care what the circumstances are. Get him in your lineup.
3: <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you there. I'm not. I'm not saying that s- sitting Aaron Rodgers is a good move, but that's the beauty of bold predictions. I can just say a whole bunch of uh, ridiculous stuff, and when it comes true, I get to say I told you so.
2: I like it. Uh, <laughs> that, that is definitely the approach. Uh, so, anyways, no, I, I uh, you know, those are always fun. I just have to make sure that uh, you know. Sometimes people have a tendency to maybe misinterpret what we mean. Sometimes I think right. you know, in articles and making calls. Uh, And, you know, one thing uh, since we're talking kind of about like, you know, process and writing and stuff, I find is there's so many specifics that are unique to uh, every reader's league that like I find myself wanting to make caveats, which I think, you know, it might seem like an odd thing to always be doing. But there's just so many specifics. So I think, you know, like when you're working through or you're reading these things, you got to try to take everything into context.
1: Yeah,
3: absolutely. And, uh, you know, we can't address all of that stuff in every article, you know, every different league setting and stuff. Uh, but it's been an awesome season in the Rotoviz his forums. Uh, a lot of us have been really active in the forums. Uh, myself, Charlie, uh, Hassan, Rahim... And uh Justin Lipinski, uh, you know, we've all been in there.
2: Devin's even, uh, always on there, Devin McIntyre.
3: Yeah, Devin and uh the contrary, and Sean Siegel actually. He hasn't been doing any writing for us this year, but man, he's just been killing it on the forums and giving uh you know customized advice yep. for everyone's team. So uh that's been a lot of fun, uh, kind of publishing articles and then uh getting people with specific questions. So uh even though we haven't been able to do that and you know, between Twitter and um you know, guys like Eric Moody giving customized advice mm-hmm. on Twitter. He does an awesome job. Uh, I think we've been a pretty good job of uh, of helping our readers out in that way, for sure.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I, I'm glad that you mentioned Moody because I am blown away by he just absolutely kills it on Twitter. He will answer like it, with a thought out, thoughtful answer for every single person on Twitter. If a million people asked him a question, I'm confident that he would answer a million of those questions. It's crazy.
3: Oh. He's an absolute machine and not only on Twitter, but, uh, Writing, Uh, he's been cranking out uh, cranking out a lot of news type pieces when stuff happens. You know, when Carson Wentz goes down, what's the effect? And uh, cranking out an article on last minute and keeping our readers apprised of sort of fluid situations that aren't being addressed in other articles. And uh, you know, he's always at the in the Slack channel, and I'll see a message from him at uh, 4 a.m. saying his article's ready to go, and we're like, Moody, do you ever sleep, man? What's (laughs) what's going on here? You're a machine, so yeah, one of the hardest working guys in in the industry sure oh, he, absolutely
2: i love yeah. it too sometimes the message will be like uh he'll make a pitch and then he'll be like well actually i already wrote this my daughter was up in the middle of the night so i just figured <laughs> i'd write an article
3: <laughs> so yeah, exactly Moody's, yes, Moody's awesome article. <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> uh anyway any major takeaways or key lessons that you learned from doing the zero running back article that you think we should think about going into next season
3: you know what it was a huge learning experience for me this year um Just being able to kind of work with Sean Siegel, uh, pick his brain about stuff, get a better understanding for what it is that we're looking for. Um, I've almost sort of done a 180. I mean, you know, zero RB has always sort of been a a core uh, principle for me the last few years. But I I understood the theory of it, but I'm not sure I understood what kind of RBs we were looking for. Mm -hmm. So I think I've really made a change in that direction. You know, just an example – you know in I used to think zero RB was just about finding value late in drafts right
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so
3: that meant for me I was often drafting guys like Frank Gore I wrote about that uh, in the offseason uh, that Gore was a guy I was drafting quite a bit and I didn't really understand that yeah Frank Gore is a value but what sort of Sean has 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 led me to see is that yeah he's a value but you're missing opportunity when you draft when you draft Frank Gore. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're drafting Frank Gore in the sixth, that means you're not drafting Alvin Kamara in the sixth. Yeah. And that's a huge miss opportunity. A huge miss opportunity. Um, so that was a big eye opener for me. Kind of looking, you know, f- seeing what it is we're looking in running backs. Um, the th- the big three, right? Are they on a good team? Do they have a solid workload? And do they have a path to uh, a bigger you know workman like workload a three down workload um so that was why we were sort of on you know a guy like rex burkhead just because he had so many avenues to a big workload right mm-hmm. like mike gillis could get hurt and rex burkhead can fill in uh james white can get hurt rex burkhead can fill in so we just had so many paths to relevancy um so that was a big eye opener for me <laughs> and then also, of course, you know we talked about it before, but expected points um, was something that I really started to key in on this year and sort of use that as a baseline for my decisions. And um, you know, it, and it's amazing how that sort of uh, sort of all evens out over time, right? Like mm-hmm. a lot of times we're seeing guys with high EPS that that just weren't getting the numbers um and eventually it's just sort of evens out it all it all comes back uh, to the middle eventually in terms of um in terms of uh, variance so uh yeah really just focusing on the workloads for guys rather than you know the, the bottom line so really just focusing on the process and uh what it is the the workloads that these guys are being given rather than you know what their output is it's you know very similar to um you know playing poker or investing it's it's all, it's all about the process and uh, if you make enough of the right bets then eventually you're going to show a profit eventually right and i i sort of started looking at RBs more in that way uh, rather than chasing the points i think
2: yeah, I, I like how you kind of run us th- or ran us through some of that because Sean does have such an awesome way, I think, of contextualizing yeah. these things and kind of giving yeah. you like thought processes that you can go through that are intuitive. Uh, so yeah. there's definitely a lot to learn, I think, not only just like in getting a deeper understanding of the whole philosophy, but it's, it's interesting to hear you say, you know, actually going for the right type of player to fit into the philosophy. So I'm sure, you know, we're going to continue to, uh, have good results i think with zero running back you know on many teams as we move into next year and i'm sure this article yep. will be back and uh, will still be an awesome read which i mean i really think that you know this is one of those key things that when you're subscribing it's worth your price of admission because there's yep. so much work to do if you're going zero running back with monitoring these backfields but it's awesome when you have especially this season we had two different writers making their way through and we really knew uh, exactly what was going on in these backfields. And then you couple that with Ben Gretch's awesome. Um, yeah. you know, advanced metrics piece each week, stealing signals. And it was just a, you know, it was an awesome season, obviously we're biased, but you know, <laughs> I'm still reading these articles as they're coming out, you know, like, just like I was a couple of years ago before I was writing for the site and I'm still learning so much every time I read them.
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, you mentioned Ben's article and, um, you know that that article is just unbelievable. I, I said to Ben uh, when he started when he started writing that. I sent him a message saying that uh, you know it's not really fair because you know a lot of the people in the industry sort of fall under the the heading of. Uh, very good writer or very good analyst mm-hmm. and he's sort of one of those guys that's both <laughs> yep. and uh it's not really fair he he does an incredible analysis and he, he puts it in a way that's very accessible and intuitive um so i find myself reading uh, him a lot and and sort of uh you know being having a lot of eureka moments and mm-hmm. and uh, uh, sometimes a bit of jealousy that i didn't think of that angle you know so but yeah. that that pushes me as a writer so you know i think that's um that's something very valuable and and for you know for if i get value out of that as a writer then I, i'm certain that our, our readers are getting value out of that as uh as uh fantasy players as well so yeah it's he's uh that that articles have been amazing and working with blair on the nfc side i think he maybe had uh a bit of a a bigger role there the NFC was a little bit mm-hmm. more fluid i thought this year a little bit more interesting situations so he did an awesome job uh sorting through most of that except for Dallas i got to say <laughs> I'll Give Blair a bit of a hard time because he was on when um when Zeke was suspended there I know he was on uh Darren McFadden so yeah when uh when Ezekiel Elliott went down uh I know he was uh tabbing uh Darren McFadden to take over there, so that was his one miss but hey I had a couple misses too, so we're not gonna win them all that's for sure
2: <laughs> so As we look forward to uh, the upcoming offseason, which, as I said, I think on a prior episode is almost just as hectic, if not even a bit, you know, a bit busier of a rush for us with all of this draft coverage coming up. What do you have in the works? Uh, You know, what can we expect from you?
3: Well, I'm going to, uh, I think I'm going to uh, head south, man. I'm going to head uh, somewhere warm. I live up in Canada here, and January gets cold. (laughs) Uh, So, my plan is to head somewhere south and uh, hunker down and and come up with a whole bunch of article ideas and start writing them. Uh, I have a a busy off season uh, plan for sure. I I want to do a whole bunch of writing for RotoViz this year. Uh, So, I think I'll start with just kind of. Looking back at, at some of the misses and some of the, you know, I look at a guy like Mike Evans uh, mm-hmm. and just unpacking his season and, and what the heck went wrong. And uh, so maybe looking at some of the disappointments from 2017 and, and asking if there's an opportunity there. Uh, I know a lot of people down on Evans this year, but I look at that as an opportunity, right? Like
1: mm-hmm. a lot of
3: people were down on DeAndre Hopkins coming into this season and that allowed people uh, to get him in the third round, right? So. Yep uh, that's what I'll be doing. I'm going to be looking at some of the misses from 2017 and asking, uh, if it's really a miss or if it's more of an opportunity deconstructing. And then of course, uh, uh, my favorite time of the year by far is uh, is rookie draft season. So we'll start digging into some of those prospects. Uh, Jordan Hoover has been doing an awesome job already, starting to get into that. And, uh, you know, looking into some of these prospects and start breaking down the rookie class is uh, always one of my favorite parts of the year for sure. So that's going to be the next few months, and I can't wait to uh, to get into it. The, uh, the in-season is a lot of fun, but I like the off-season because um, – you know, anything goes. You're, you're, they're all predictions at that point. There's no uh, silly <laughs> facts to get in the way of uh, of uh, some of your analysis. You can just sort of, you know, postulate anything and put it out there and, and make it sound like it, it's a reasonable possibility. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to that again rather than, uh, you know, the, the in-season sort of grind for sure.
2: Yeah, abs- absolutely. I, I am uh, also, I think, kind of looking forward just to having freedom to explore uh, different yeah. avenues, but you just don't have. Um you know you have ideas during the season but um you just don't have time to really expound on them when there's you know everything else going on just with your weekly articles and you yeah. already have me excited to read this Mike Evans piece so I'm going to hold that <laughs> I'm gonna hold you to that. So if after about you know two weeks into the into the off season, I'm not seeing that, I'm gonna have to hit you up on Slack and see you know. Absolutely. What's
3: going on. Yeah, the 2018 DeAndre Hopkins, I'm I'm calling it right now. I mean, uh, just sort of weird. I mean, there's no reason why he shouldn't shouldn't be, you know, up there in the wide receiver one territory. And uh, so I think it's one of those things where it's just uh, a lot of statistical noise. And uh, yeah. you know, I'm already looking at him in the second round or. I, think he'll fall to the third round next year he seems like kind of he'll be in that keen and allen-ish kind of second round range after this year but uh looking forward to the opening of the mfls and getting some fresh data and see where people like him for next year and uh but yeah i'm gonna be looking for opportunities for for 2018 early based on on what we saw in 2017 for sure
2: awesome stuff court well hey thanks again for coming on i uh, really appreciate it. i'm sure our listeners do as well
3: uh, pleasure dave thanks very much for having me
2: well, that is going to do it for today's edition of the RotoViz highlight reel brought to you by Draft. I'm Dave Cabin. Find me on Twitter at DaveCabanFF. My guest was RotoViz.com editor and writer Court Smith at Court Knoll. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the RoboViz Highlight Reel. Please rate and review the RoboViz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, robovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to RoboViz at a 30% discount through the RoboViz Radio homepage, roboviz.com forward slash podcast.